everybody, and welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz is on the phone lines with me. You can check out all of our stories. We are writers before we are podcasters at 247sports.com slash Michigan, themichiganinsider.com, all goes to one place. And we are in in fall camp, and there, there are practices happening. Uh, we'll talk about the submarine Michigan's kind of doing to itself in, in a moment, but but still, and this seems to be happening at a, at a lot of schools around the country, the primary news coming out of these programs or, or out of these practices is actually off-the-field stuff. Uh, North Carolina recently suspended 13 players between two and four games, and I'm, I, I, I'll have to double-check just how official it all is, but they're, they for selling, for reselling, shoes that they got as part of being scholarship student-athletes or student-athletes, and they resold them for a profit. Uh, North Carolina is outfitted by uh, Jordan Brand. Jordan Brand's shoes sell for so much more money than I could ever believe. And and Michigan, of course, is outfitted by Jumpman as well. And Michigan was warned by North Carolina basically saying, hey, this could be going on at your program too. And, and Marquette and Cal were also a part of that. I know uh, Florida just recently joined the Jumpman thing, so I don't think they've necessarily sold anything yet. I don't. I can't imagine they would have had time to resell things. But you know, this resale market, Michigan is investigating. Nothing has been uh, confirmed. And Steve, uh, you you kind of at least put out feelers with people around the program for what they think. And and you were telling me before the show, it doesn't sound like. It's going to be. It's not this storm or bombshell that's that's coming. Although it is, we don't know. You know, there could be more to it. It could be at result in suspensions. But as of right now, uh, we haven't heard that's going to happen, and we don't know what's in store. But I guess your your thoughts are what you've heard so far. Yeah, I mean, not much. Uh, been tight lipped, as everything seems like everything about the program. <laughs> around fall True. camp right now. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'd say I spoke to, how did I describe it before the show? A uh, good but not ironclad, I guess, source that okay. said they don't anticipate, like, anything major for Michigan. Um, you know, and that's that's kind of the way I'm going about it. It's kind of one of those things I've asked around about. I don't anticipate a anyone's going to like say, you know, Hey, X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Are in hey, trouble, just a heads you know? up. Yeah. It wouldn't yeah. come now. It would come. Yeah. Right. So that's where I'm at. I think it's a, it's a something that really, I guess maybe should have been anticipated when you consider that the players get like even different ones than what are released publicly. So there's that rarity there. And I know, uh, Brad Crawford, one of our national guys, posted on our board. I think he said in the three or four years he's worked at 24-7, it was only the second VIP post. Uh, he's made like an inside-type post he's made on any message board. So uh, thanks to Brad for taking the time to come over. Uh, but he mentioned, yeah, the thing he brought up was... Well, he's one of the sneakerheads, right? Yeah, he's big into this, huge into this stuff. And uh, mentioned that like the rarity of these shoes are on a different level than what you know, they're not just reselling 
the ones that you can buy from MDEN or whoever. I mean, some of them are different. They're even, even the ones that are certain style, the ones that the players get might be made by with even like higher quality material. It might just be better shoes period than the ones that are sold to the public. So Hmm. um, with that in mind, you know, there's, it's something that I guess, I guess kind of looking back, you feel like was bound to, you know, it's going to be an issue. I would assume in some regard, you know, in the, and it's one of those deals where I, I would assume that the program, the, coaches or whoever you know educated the players on this deal before this all happened and uh i would think right i mean they have to know that there's a they, secondary market it, for this stuff it was confirmed this weekend they did have to sign you know it wasn't right. just a don't sell shoes you know guys it, it was a legitimate contract and and this is that thing where you know what you sign for what you sign off on knowing that you know whether you were told it or not you had a chance to read it and sign off on it. So, so I mean, we'll talk about what, what should or could happen if, if these things happen the way things could happen. That sentence didn't make any sense. We can talk about potential ramifications in a second, but they did sign off knowing that it was against the rules. Right. Yeah, and that's really, I mean, that's where the issue would be. So that, But if you're Michigan, uh, how much more can you do? You know, you can't. You can only do so much in that regard. So if these guys are signing waivers, I mean, that's, you know what I mean? Like the players are on their own after that point. They're the ones taking the risk. So, yeah, I don't know. Not much to say about it really for me. I just, it's kind of one of those, let's wait it out and see what happens type deals. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think um, the one, the one point of contention is the idea that this is a, you know, I know the the initial reaction from a lot of Michigan fans was like, well, this is a dumb rule. It shouldn't be a big thing. And and I, I know that there are some fans who were trying to say, well, well, Michigan, the team that, that you know, they root for, was, isn't doing nearly as much bad stuff as, you know, such and such school, such and such school. I mean, the fact of the matter is, and, and we just talked about it, it was, it. there is no player on the team who can claim they didn't know this is against the rules. You know, and... and and I would be a little bit more open-minded to them not knowing if that, that like your family member, you know, if you give it to your family member, you're technically accountable if they resell it as well. You know, that's something like, I don't, I don't know if every athlete would know that, but it's still like, this was all stuff in the contract that they read, you know, when they, when they sign and before they, before they come to Michigan. And so, so in, in that regard, you know, I don't have a ton of, I mean, I have sympathy because it's a dumb rule, but I don't have a ton of sympathy. Like, you can't say, oh, well, they can't be suspended, or they shouldn't be suspended because it's a dumb rule. I mean, it, it was known, and it's not like shoes have, have just now become valuable. This is something either players have or haven't done. I mean, it's something that, you know, players have been able to make money selling their gear, I would imagine, for, for a few, couple decades. And so, right, right. And, and Michigan, I know, has had that little, or not the little, the, the deal with MDEN where, I mean, even the non-revenue athletes, you know, they can go and get a Michigan parka that's probably, you know, 200 bucks sold to the public, and they can get it for free. And so, you know, this is not like a new thing. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that this sort of scandal situation hasn't come up sooner, but... Not a scandal. Scandals well, being thrown around. Scandals being th- the word scandal 
is just being thrown around too much right now, period, in, in college football and in sports. Scandals, I just don't think it's a – what is a scandal exactly? Isn't it like a – You know? No, unveiling like, of a every, series every day of replay like, breakings? Okay. Every day it's a, it's a new scandal. Oh, it's the scandal. You know, it's like come up with a different word. Just a situation. It's just a deal. Okay. I'm surprised I'm not, the situation hasn't come up. Thank you frequently before <laughs> i'm now googling the definition of the word scandal oh geez no but it's like come on man like every day it's like i think it's like a buzz it is a buzzword to create more like hype it is definitely uh, like a click friendly word like the shoe scandal surrounding michigan gets way more yeah. traffic than michigan is investigating whether or not players you know, uh, i don't know in- investigating gets a lot of <laughs> well it's know, interesting because like investigating is way less like that's way less significant than right, found indeed. that they did. By the way, definition of scandal, an action or event regarded as morally or legally wrong and causing general public outrage. So, Outrage? I don't... I don't yeah. You know. Well... <laughs> now, 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 not to get on that stuff, but like, you know, maybe what's going on at Maryland. That better, be, that better cause public outrage. Well, I'd say that's a yeah. scandal. That's a scandal. This shoe thing? No. Not, not yet. Not yet. Hasn't pa- hasn't crossed the scandal line yet, in my opinion. Okay. So. I look forward to seeing that diagram for when when things cross the scandal line. But but no, I agree with you. It's one of those things where I mean, it could be nothing. I I don't think it's nothing based on you know the various. I mean, you know, StockX had twenty three uh, uh, sold shoes from Michigan, Michigan, Michigan shoes that were sold that were like game model or whatever. So. So I don't know if it's absolutely nothing. Maybe it's just players selling them once they graduate or once their eligibility runs up uh, or turn pro because that's totally illegal. And, and players who aren't on the team, I believe, can do it as well. Um, like, like say, a player decides to transfer, you know. So so we'll see. I'll, I'll be curious to see how it unfolds because, like, I would imagine if Michigan had to, like, sit out players, which, which it might, you know, I would imagine they're going to be – tipping off media people about other schools that are doing this. Cause it's, you know, it's not just Jordan, right? Like the Nike shoes would sell for a lot. The, well, that's where I'm, that's where I'm confused. Yeah. Like this, like this, these other, again, not, uh, probably not the right school to throw into this deal just cause people, if there are any Buckeye listeners out there, but like, you know, Ohio state, didn't they get like some Le- like LeBron James? Yeah, they got exclusive LeBron shoes from Ohio state legend. Yeah. LeBron James like hey. put in some shoes, you know, and they got a bunch of like cool stuff, you know, when when his new line came out or whatever, you know. So or like, yeah, you know, or like I like you don't think like if you were Michigan, it, like don't you think they if they had to suspend people, they would be like not necessarily finger pointing, but doing that thing where they're like, oh hey, you know, reporter that I have contact info to to ESPN, you know, Ohio State does this here, 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 and here. <sighs> Right, you know, so so that's where I'm I'm curious to see how it all unfolds. Like, does the NCAA kind of almost do amnesty to like reestablish the rules, or do they? Does everyone get punished, or is it just like the big the big sellers? I yeah. So I'm curious how because I, I I really don't think personally I don't think the shoe sales are unique to North Carolina. It no, just, yeah, I don't think they are either. Yeah, but that's the thing is like. Like we just said, it's not just a jump man thing either, though. You know, and that's that's kind of where, 
you know, it's almost like North Carolina kind of gives Michigan a heads up, but then at the same time, they also kind of are by doing that, they are (laughs) are. dragging Michigan into it, you know, where it's like, but then again, it's, you know, it's not as if, uh, I don't know, like the UCLA, they, I think they wear Adidas. No, UCLA is Under Armour now. I don't know who's Adidas anymore, but like, do they get like, what if they got like Yeezy shoes that were their colors of their school? Like, you don't think yeah. that somebody is going to try to resell those too, you know? So it's like, right. it's just kind of, it feels like one of those deals where it's like, everybody's doing it. How are you going to selectively punish, you know, schools, A, B, and C? Yeah. Well, D, E, and F have probably been doing the same thing, maybe even longer, you know? So yeah. I don't know. And it's just one of those things. It's like, at a certain point, you know, some, some of it's like too hard to control. Like if I, if I were an athlete and I got some free shoes and I gave them to my cousin for Christmas and then they go and resell them for 5,000 bucks, how can you prove that I, pro, you know, like, like, I guess I could have justifiably like told my cousin, but like, you know, it's not, it's, how many, are they going to suspend athletes, families, or I don't know. I'm curious to see how they come down on this. And, and frankly, you know, if it, if anything actually happens because I just I mean, think if yeah. it, it just I'm surprised that North Carolina made it did something so quickly just for <laughs> the simple fact that like it, like we said like that this is something that has to be going on in a lot of other schools they fought for like, like 20 how, years that their classes were right, right. Legit. How could they, <laughs> this yeah, is the one they get they, mad about <laughs> right how could they all of a sudden there's being suspensions thrown out for schools when it's like, okay, well, yeah, look into like these 50 other schools that have these awesome shoe deals that are getting these custom, all this custom stuff, you know? And, uh, I, I don't know. I we should, can we change the subject now? Yeah, that's, I mean, we've probably talked about everything we can talk about. Cause I mean, again, there's a lot of information that still has to come out. So, so yes, right. we can change the subject. We got lots of questions from our listeners. You can always, Tweet at us at tremendous um at underscore Zach Shaw on the day of the podcast. I think we'll switch back to Thursday. We'll we'll talk about dates, but but anyway, we always tweet out the day of. You know, taking questions and discussion topics. Now uh, we got a lot of people asking about the shoot thing, so that's why we that's why we opened with it. The second thing we got the most about, and I I will let you decide <laughs> which of these questions. I some people have fun with it because they know they know what is actually going on, but Michigan <laughs> picked up a commitment from Tyrese Woods, uh, formerly of Detroit King and that now of Belleville, uh, three star low rated recruit, but someone who put up ridiculous numbers, 26 reps at, of two ton two, benching 225, ran a four, six, five twice, uh, had a shuttle run. That was, that was excellent that I don't, I don't have the number up. Uh, but he, you know, just a, just kind of a real combine warrior at Michigan's camp this June. He won the position group MVP. Uh, but but people are mad because he's rate, ranked low, or or they're taking him this early in the process. Um, so Steve, some people had fun with it. Some people are actually kind of serious. Uh, do stars? How much? I don't even know what to say. We've we've had this discussion like twenty times. No, I know, yeah. but uh, it's uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so I'm I'm to the point now where it's like I'm not gonna 
I'm not going to disagree with somebody that they've seen in camp, right? So this isn't Tyrese Woods commits to Michigan. This is not the end of the road with, like, say, Zach Harrison or George Karlaftis or whoever, um, Mike Morris, whoever else they're recruiting. Uh, If Zach Harrison commits to Ohio State or Penn State, it's not because Michigan took Tyrese Woods uh, on August 12th. Uh, so you know, you can put those fears, I guess, or whatever you want to call them, to rest. Um, I'm just not big on like disputing somebody that they've seen live and in person in camp. Um, the scholarships are still valuable; they're not just handing them out. I think it's a deal where you know Woods is a guy who has kind of steadily gotten better. Uh, as the process has continued. I mean, he's transformed his body. I was looking at some old pictures of him when he was visiting Michigan. And there's the other thing, too. And I'm not saying you should just – no way should a kid should just get a scholarship because they love Michigan. But, I mean, this is a kid who visited four home games uh, in 2015. A kid who, like, kind of one of those guys who would oh, run through a Oh, okay, so when play. he was, like, in eighth grade – yeah, so yeah. this is the kind of kid who like would have run through a brick wall to play at Michigan, you know. And uh, I think there's some, I do think there's some value in that, especially when a guy appears to have the measurables and uh, ability. You know, I I know that the same camp that David Ajaba was amazing. I know Woods was the second best defensive lineman there, and they had some other pretty good players in attendance that day. So, um, you know, I. Here's the thing. I guess I, I can I would concede this. Let's say I'm much more liable to buy in on a defensive recruit that Don Brown and especially you know Greg Madison, mm-hmm. two guys over anybody on the staff maybe, who if they think a kid is good enough to play, if they see a kid watch him, think he's good enough to play at Michigan, then I'm gonna side with them uh, over you know, nameless, faceless, who doesn't like the number next to his rating. I'd be more liable to buy that, at least as things stand now, than, say, at, like, receiver or... Makes sense. Just because the the track record is really, really there at on the defensive side of the ball. Don Brown has fielded top five defenses with guys that were ranked much lower than Tyrese Woods at Boston College. Shut down Deshaun Watson. The Uh, the Boston College versus Texas stat? No. Okay, so Texas has had in the last, I can't remember how many years, but Texas has had 64 five-star recruits. Boston College has had, um, I think it's like the last five years. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and Boston College has had four. And Boston College has won, Texas has won 32 games. Boston College has won 31. And... Boston College has produced 14 NFL draft picks. Texas has produced 11. And so a lot yeah. of that's Don Brown, right? Th- that freakish, 100%. you know, three-star to I mean, NFL deal. I mean, Don Brown recruited Harold Landry, uh, you know, among many others. You know, and there's other guys. Was it, was it, what's his name? Was Ke- Keikley Boston Keekly? College, too? Luke, the, ki- oh, the uh, Pan- Carolina Panther. Wasn't he Boston College? I'll check. I don't know. I, either way, he's produced a bunch of dudes, as he would call them. And so, like, I'm much more liable right now, as things stand now, to buy in 
on anybody they take on the defensive side of the ball. Keekley was oh. a was a three star, went to Boston College and emerged okay, as, as a top ten NFL draft pick. Right. And so you know, defensively Don Brown knows what he's looking for. We're seeing it now with uh Uche as a guy I think is going to emerge this year, was a quintessential. Now, he was different because he was he was a little more highly recruited. He had Florida, a bunch of others. I think he was committed to Miami at one, one time. But, okay, lower-ranked guy who's going to take some time to develop, you know, that they believed in athletically. And, and we've the one thing I've noticed with Michigan, really on both sides of the ball, I mean, I guess it's, it can't be too uncommon across the country, but they're, like, they're very deliberate on – measurables and athleticism and so like the shuttle time in a weird way more than a bench press a squat or whatever the shuttle time just i swear it seems like almost every defensive commitment that they take the guy has like a prime shuttle time for some reason like especially i know in the defensive backfield that's what got benjamin st juice his offer was his length and then his shuttle time at that length you know, and so I, I, you know, I am, I'm a, I'm a, as somebody who does this every day, I'm a trust the coaches kind of person, particularly on the defense, you know, and I, I think there's a little less leeway or a little shorter leash, I suppose, at some other positions, not saying that some of these players won't turn out. I think receivers, the one now, I think there's going to be some pressure on a few of these you know, they only took Ronnie Bell in 2018. He mm-hmm. was very unheralded. You could see the athleticism. You, I mean, you watch the basketball film for him. He jumped through the roof. You know, the guy's got obviously has some ability, but he's very unproven. And then uh, Quintel Kent, the one that they just took out of Lakewood St. Edward, I think is similar to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, as a guy where it's like, I think, you know, those are important evaluations and it puts a ton of pressure after only taking the one in 2018 and they've George Johnson, I think is a four star. So I guess that assuages some of the fears there. I think he's a four star prospect. I know Andrew Ivins of our Miami site loves George Johnson, thinks he's a stud. Um, but with those with Kent and bell, let's say in particular, it puts, it does put some pressure on them to try to reel in one of the big fish, uh, in 19, whether Kyle Ford or, or Cornelius Johnson, I always get asked about George Pickens for some reason. He's not going to Michigan. That People can forget about that one. So <laughs> um, so I do think it puts some pressure on them there. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, but as far as the defensive guy goes, I'm just not going to knock them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the defensive staff every chance to prove that it's a guy that they should be taking. And I, it's always disappointing when fans, like, Everybody, you could always have an opinion. There's nothing wrong with that. I just hate when the kid themselves get dragged into it. You know, it's a dream come true, right? For these kids, and yeah. then they're getting getting tagged in these tweets, especially that are saying, you know, this is a just awful. Like Michigan's recruiting at a MAC level, you know, blah blah blah. It's like, I mean, in one way, I suppose, kind of creates an immediate chip on someone's shoulder to prove those people wrong. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I don't know. Well, I, I mean, it, really... it, you got to imagine in the long run that's going to hurt Michigan with some some battles. I still think a lot of players are going to still look at it as a, as kind of a dream come true. But like you know, I mean, <laughs> you know. it doesn't help them. I yeah. mean, I don't. Do I think it has a tangible effect on their recruiting efforts? 
I would say no, but I wouldn't fully rule it out necessarily. Well, think about um, it like this. Michigan State fans celebrate, you know, a really hungry, really excited three-star right? in recruiting. You know, they love the, the chip on the shoulder. They love the, like, oh, such and such overlooked you. And then when Michigan reels went in, and not always, and, and it is kind of a vocal minority, I think, but, you know, it's a pretty vocal minority. And, you know, it's just, I mean, I, w- I sure wouldn't want that reaction when I go to, when I got into right. Michigan or, you know, like when I started doing, no, I agree. yeah, I agree. I agree. And like, that's the other thing too. I think, I do think it's a more of a vocal minority. I think most fans are supportive. I think there's just a, a loud vocal minority that always seems to pop up with these deals. Yeah. I mean, I know on our board, it's like the same 10 people mm-hmm. every time they get a guy that's like 80 ranked 85 or rated 85 or lower. You know, it's the same people saying the same stuff you know, over and over again with most people saying, you know, that this is, this is fine. I trust the the coaches. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and as you said, I mean, I think this, this cycle, perhaps I'm just paying more attention, but it seems like this cycle has been, and and 2018 as well, there's been a few more where the coaches are just like, well, no, we're not going to, we don't really care. We just want who we want. And and they right. have the they have the ability right like like David Ajabo maybe he plays in year one I mean it sounds like if he's moving up in the top two hundred uh, he might be able to refine things faster than some thought but you know they're gonna be they'll live if if especially in some of these defensive positions they they have the leeway where they don't need someone to start in year one and I think right. you know so that's like to me when they took a bunch of defensive backs that were all like six foot two hundred and eighty pounds in twenty eighteen. That's a sign, Will. They they like who they have moving into the next two years, and then they like what those players can become, you know, as as they become sophomores or juniors. So how about how about this? So you look at uh, eighteen, the eighteen commitments. Sure. Out of the bottom six, who are commit who signed because they gave Jake Moody the the kicker a scholarship. We're not going to count him because he's unranked and he's special teams. So, mm-hmm. um, but. So out of the bottom five past him, three of those guys, Barrett, Sconemaker, and Haskins, are guys that we've already heard really good things about. That too, yeah. You know, <laughs> and it's like, and, and Barrett for sure. And, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I know, there, again, redshirt rule, I know. But I wouldn't be surprised if all three of those guys played significantly in year one. Mm-hmm. And it's like, or Van Sumeren already heard good things about him Mm -hmm. christian turner like these are all guys who you know what i mean like that 18 class was already so i mean obviously joe milton who's really just above the middle of the pack in the uh as far as the composite rankings go so um so what i'm getting at is i don't know just there's a good track record right now developing with the three stars uh i mean dwum for mccune Spinellis, Uche, as we talked about, Hudson, who really, again, Hudson, I mean, he shouldn't have been a three-star. That that one, he's one where I'd almost don't even want to credit. Like, Oh, you don't want to get it? I don't know how the industry screwed that one up so bad because it was so obvious that he was like, that he was going to be a player of some kind. Uh, Evans was a borderline four. You well, know, a couple and of those sites a, had Devin Bush. 
as a yep. three. Well, we I think we did too. Oh, okay. actually. Well, still, Clint got Clint I mean, got ripped. Clint got ripped for that one. But yeah, that. But it, yeah, it's rightfully so though. Clint's off. I like love working with Clint, but <laughs> rightfully so got some guff for the Devin Bush ranking for sure. Um, but all in all, Brad Hawkins. Well, Haw- oh, Hawkins is like barely a four star. Well, Devin Gill. Mm-hmm. So the how about this? Then we can move on. So Dietarius Johnson never signed. So he's actually still just listed as a hard commit. Um, it's a but real hard bo- commit to still be listed as right. a commit all these years later. There is a very, very significant chance that seven of the bottom eight players, ranked players by the composite in the 2016 class, play a major role for Michigan this year. Devin Gill, Dwumfor, McCune, Metellus, Spinellis, Uche, and Nordine. Those are that those are the six those are seven of the bottom eight guys ranked in that class. And there's I mean all there's a realistic chance that all seven of them start. Yeah. In some I mean, I don't know about uh Uche if he'll you know, he's, but he's going to play. He'll, he's going to right. He's going to play a lot. But but Nordine, Spinellis, Metellus, McCune, Dwumfor, and Gill all are very very realistic players that can start. Mm-hmm. And it's like so. It's like as as you know, juniors. Gill, it's not even like this like fifth year or senior right. deal. It's eighty four, eighty four. Like the, all these guys are ranked eighty four, eighty five by the composite. You know, and so it's like look. I mean, because then you look look at the other end here. Asiasi gone, although he's still playing. So I guess Cream Walker gone, Crawford gone, um, McDoom. I mean, he's still a three star, but he was still one of the higher ranked guys in the class. Um, Ron Johnson hasn't done anything of note yet. Uh, don't know if that's you know a foregone conclusion yet, but he hasn't. He was a four star. Um, Spinellis may beat on Wenu out at right guard. You know, it seems like a legit possibility. You know, and so it's just it's just kind of, it's funny to me when we're talking about this to go actually look back at the results and see that seven of the eight lowest ranked players in Michigan's 17 class uh, could all be major contributors this season in their third year on campus, like you said. Yeah. So well, anyway, yeah, the, yeah, and 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 this is something that probably seems to come up whenever Michigan takes a low-rated recruit. And what's interesting to me is like a lot of times they do actually move up. You know, I I mean we'll see oh, yeah. what Ty, yeah. you know Tyrese Woods. I I don't know his story or if if there is a plan for him to to move up. But like Ojabo when he committed, he was like ranked seven fifty eight hundred. Well, he's in the top two hundred now. You know, so it's right. It's I think I think I think Allen. True, who has had who has seen Woods more than anybody on our site, mm-hmm. I think. I don't know if Bryce has probably been out there a couple times too, but um, he said he'll move up. I mean, he, we only have him as an eighty, and Allen, you know, mentioned yesterday that he's a player who's got gotten way way better uh, over the last twelve months or so. Uh, so, you know, it, here just real quick before we move on, going back to the seventeen class now. Brad Robin, these are the, let's take the, we'll be fair. 
and say start at say Stuber. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six. So out of the bottom nine guys in the class, okay, Brad Robbins starter will probably be the starting punter. Yeah. Barring something crazy, Kurt Taylor no impact yet. Ben Mason bona fide starter. Mm-hmm. Quiddy Pay. Won't start, but as I posted a couple days ago and some inside notes, he'd probably start for the majority of the teams in the country this year. Mm-hmm. He's just playing behind two superstars. Potential Americans, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Phil Pea, position switch, no impact yet, but it isn't a guy I don't I don't think was a guy they thought was a first or second year player anyway. Same would definitely go for Honigford, uh, who, who added a, like twenty five pounds this offseason. Right, which is which yeah. is that's that's the process with him, right? That was going to be the deal. Um, Brad Hawkins, we've heard. I know Sam did some stuff about Hawkins with Chris Partridge. Heard nothing but good things about Brad Hawkins. Jamaric Woods started the bowl game last year. And uh, Andrew Stuber hasn't made an impact yet. Uh, he's another one whose weight seemed to kind of fly up, didn't it? He went up a little. I He was always a big dude. But, you know, he's in that – he's, a, you know, they're – working him in the rotation in the two deep right. at, at guard and tackle. I mean, they're just kind of seeing where he's, where he's best suited down the road, but it's like the offensive lineman, you, you almost like have to give them two or three years. That's just, I mean, Harbaugh's even said that's really the only position along with quarterback. Those, those are the only positions where he's interested in preserving a red shirt. You know, right. everyone else, it's like, if you can even do one play, right, you should play, you know? So it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, 16 and 17, both, at least as far as things stand now, when you consider these are second and third year players on campus, you know, 17 and 16, both so far appear to be panning out, in my opinion. I mean, you go to the, at the top at 17, Peoples Jones, he's going to take off this year. I was say, it's a big Solomon. year for 2017 as far as like what they right. ultimately well, look Solomon, like. But... Solomon played really well. Uh, you know, got better as the year went on, became a legit contributor near the end. Ruiz, I think, is an all-conference player, if not an all-American by the time he leaves. Uh, Valaine, injuries. Uh, Singleton's fighting. Ambry Thomas is my breakout pick this year. Jordan Anthony was mentioned specifically by Don Brown as having an awesome practice uh, when he had availability. Big Chuck, Filiaga, I assume he's probably backing up the opposite probably le- he'll probably back up Bradison, I would imagine. I think, think that's what Warner had kind of touched on. Well, when Spinell, if it's Spinellis and Onwenu at, at right, uh, I would assume that Chuck would back up the other side. Yeah. Cause I think Chuck Chuck's, I think Chuck ends up being a guy too. treat black. We know about that. Uh, Dylan McCaffrey, Harbaugh's spoken a ton about him. Neat, I mean, go down the list here. These are, I mean, get, granted, these are guys who haven't proven it yet on the big on the big stage, but these are all guys that, at least in my opinion, appear to be progressing at a rate that we anticipated they would. Nico Collins got played late in the year, you know, burned his redshirt. Really, kind of one of the unfortunate is a guy who would have still be a redshirt freshman if last year's rule True. or this year's rule was applied last year. But you know they I mean we talked about it when they when they decided to play him or to put him on the travel roster and burn his red shirt, the idea was they had come to the conclusion that he probably wasn't going to want to stick yeah. around for a fifth year because they think he will be of NFL caliber by the time right. that that comes. So, so yeah, I mean what you're saying though is that that so far uh more hits than misses. I mean every school's going to have misses. It's not it's not a 
you know, Alabama has misses, you know, Georgia, Clemson, everyone has misses, you know, and, and just like, uh, you know, John Beeline has had misses and, and Beeline got ripped for, you know, not being able to recruit or, or getting three stars or guys outside the top 100. And then they stopped ripping him when he went right. to the second national title game in six or seven years. And when they, when he hung up his seventh banner since he's been at Michigan. So, you know, I don't know. Whenever I see it, I'm just like, you know, they, it's really just fans that are upset that they don't have the results that they were hoping to get yet. And, and I don't it's think just one, it's one bad year. Yeah. It's like, but it, again, I, I just put quotations around bad. Besides the receivers, yeah. the quarterbacks, besides the receivers and the quarterback position, I just don't think Michigan was that bad of a team last year. And I think then, but people just take and make blanket statements out of, you know, there's always context in these deals. You're going to say that Michigan just stinks totally because they went eight and five, even though they had what the top, what number three defense was it? Number, number three two? overall. Yeah. Number one yeah. pass defense, run defense struggle, but like whatever they played JK Dobbins and Jonathan Taylor in, right. a, in run heavy situations. So, right. Um, but anyway, Oliver Martin, Josh Ross, James Hudson, Jalen Kelly Powell, these are all guys that we've appear to be progressing at a rate that we anticipated. Even Duran Irving Bay was a guy that was not going to be a year one or year two guy, you know, was a raw prospect that was going to take some time, probably the same for St. Juiced, you know, so we'll, we'll see. Um, it's just, I think that that stat about 16 is, is kind of funny now that we've actually like, now that we unpack it there, it's funny looking in the, in the context of them taking a low three-star commitment uh, to think that, you know, seven of their eight lowest-ranked signees in the 16 class may start for them this year. You right. know? And, and not, not just, all, like, a backing into the starting job, like a no, beating out all. other people. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. anyway. So, uh, yeah, we got other questions. I don't know if we're going to have time to get to all of them. And some of them we have touched, you know, the strength and conditioning. Um, no. No, nothing against Connor Hartley, who said, who asked if we were concerned that the strength and conditioning has been too focused on getting big. Uh, I mean, the players have told me, and, and other people have told me when the recorder was off, you know, the the forty times are the same. This was not a a everyone needs to fatten up. This was a we need to get stronger. And it sounds like the weight is kind of a byproduct of the nutrition program being more player friendly, and of the strength program being more less about putting up good times right because there's that report about they used to do the sprint competitions and players would skip workouts so they weren't sore so they could win you know it's like less about like trying to win the combine more about just being strong and i think between between those things they got bigger not concerned about that uh uh, there's a couple other ones that have come up one one that i think we should talk about real quick uh uh meta wooten piece says do you like some marine mode and the the thing that is the reason this has come up is that Michigan football, you know, they've they've made people available to the media. So this is not a media beat reporters complained about not getting enough access. I would love to have more one on ones or more intimate interviews. I would love to have access to open practices. Uh, but I understand that, you know, Michigan do, not only doesn't want it, it's not it's not, you know, if we're able to get the guys two or three times a week, uh you know, that's probably enough given how ridiculous the Michigan market is, you know, because the Michigan, some schools, they can open up practice. And if someone throws a pick, like 
a couple people like, oh man, you know, such and such threw a pick at Michigan. It would be like a headline news story. So, so I get why I, I have my qualms, but those are media qualms. We get, we get enough this year, but Michigan football, they have not really done any videos of practice or, you know, much publicity about their practices. Um, you know, they're excited. They're doing some countdown stuff for the game. I counted only one fall camp article has been written in the 10 days since fall camp started. And so, Steve, they've done variations of the submarine mode every year. Uh, I think 2015 was like the first, the only true, like everyone on the team is staying in the dorms and, you know, they're putting their phones away for a certain amount of time. I think that was the only true submarine that they've had. Uh, but your thoughts on the, the general idea I know the the do more say less crowd is real excited about it, but but the submarine that Michigan football seems to be doing right now. I don't know. I'm not. I mean, I'm not a fan of it. I mean, in the context that just it'd be nice to have that access because right, it, it's related to our jobs. Right. Yeah. And the, yeah. And it's it's frustrating. I know with like within our network, it's frustrating when you know I'll see our Auburn beat writers or our USC beat writers Oregon will have, side open. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be able to go in and like, just write like legit detailed reports on how players are looking within camp, you know? And from my standpoint, I mean, it's one of those things that I'd like to try to inform people with legitimate information, like as much as I possibly can. I don't, I'm obviously, I know I'm not alone in that belief, but, um, so I prefer falsified that. rumors and narratives. Well, and it's like, you know, and it's like when you, I'm just, I get so not gun shy, but I just, I'm, I'm always leery of like insider team content at this time of year when nobody's talking, because it's just, it is, it's all not hearsay. You know, I'm not trying to belittle it because I try to make it to when I do post something that it is something that I feel is like really legit. That's why I don't do like an insider piece on the team like every day or I mean, even once a week at this point, just the way things are going this year. But um, so it's frustrating in that regard. I mean, well, like know, here's people... here's one example of what you're saying, right? There's there's uh, tons and tons of like whispers, rumblings, scuttlebutt, whatever word you want to use about like Jalen Mayfield being the starting right tackle. And, <laughs> you, were, and you were just bound and determined to bring that up. Well, well, because it, it's one of those things, though, where it's like I, can, I have not written an article about the offensive line in a month without someone mentioning, well, Jalen Mayfield's a starting right tackle or thoughts on Jalen Mayfield being the right start, starting right tackle. And, and, and this is nothing against Jalen. I don't know. He maybe he is the starter. And and perhaps perhaps he is, and because we know he was rated pretty highly, I think top 150 by 24/7 Sports. Uh, our okay. scouts really liked what he did, and really liked his potential at Michigan. And so, shout out to Barton. I think Barton did. I think that was a great evaluation because I know Michigan obviously felt the same way. But, <laughs> right, right. But um, you, you know, yeah. so so you know, there's that. But then you know, us at 24/7, and, and Sam got an exclusive with Ed Warner. And he and he talked for several minutes about the starting tackle battles, and Jalen Mayfield's name wasn't mentioned. And John Runyon was mentioned glowingly. I mean, you can go back and read the quotes. I wrote the story a couple weeks ago, just very glowing quotes about John Runyon. And someone's like, "Oh, well, Mayfield already beat Runyon out." Well, it's like you know. And so when they don't provide any intel, and 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 then to add to it, I mean, I think Rashawn Gary did you know said 
what he just said 73, which I think is Mayfield's number, is standing out like he didn't actually have Mayfield's name off the top of his head. So it's like one of those things where it's like it probably hurts the players a little bit to not have any of this information verifiable in any in in many ways both both with insiders you know with people around the program being kind of tight-lipped and then also with with the quotes being kind of tight-lipped and then just not showing videos or allowing open practice you know nothing as you said gun shy is probably a good word here because it's like you know you'll hear something i'll hear something someone will hear something but it's like sure would hate to sure, sure would hate to have everyone mad at me because i'm wrong because I couldn't actually prove it with my own eyes or or you know put right. some real real objective reasoning behind something I say. So Well there's there's yeah. there's deals where it's like sometimes there's enough you just the it becomes so loud that you have you can't ignore it. So like when Chris Evans came in as a freshman and created yes. buzz Good immediately. Example. Yeah you know, it was a guy that was like, okay, this guy, there's gotta be something there. And I think I would want to say, I think that Michael Dwumfor is sort of in that same deal. He and sure we, was this spring. I haven't heard right, much about him so far, but right. But I, well, I, but I think it's gotten past the point of like, I think of the hype with him. I think that it's just assumed now that he's going to contribute, you know, because he's not like, do you understand what I'm saying? Like if I was to ask around about, Oh, Hey, who's standing out? You know, I'm I'm never ever rarely am I going to hear somebody say, "Well, Rashawn Gary is really standing up. <laughs> because it's like as a freshman, no, it uh, was there, but like that was r- yeah. r- right. But I but what I'm saying is that I think that Dwumfor has crossed. He's over in the to the guy that they you already know kind of situation. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so like for instance, the hot name right now has been Aiden Hutchinson as somebody who is kind of a buzz. There's some buzz there as far as I, I hate the word. I shouldn't use the word buzz. Some <laughs> info about him out there, you know, as being a guy who could play right away, which again, that might not, shouldn't be a super huge surprise, I guess, just because he was so awesome at the army game and has grown physically, like in a big way over the last, like when he was Michigan's top ranked recruit in the class, he was at the end of the day, right? Because of that army performance, because that army bowl performance is what really put him over the top. But anyway, so, you know, it's, I don't know. So I'm, I'm torn. On the submarine, I guess from our yeah, being selfish, I don't really like it very much. Uh, is seeing how many other programs are wide open makes me think that I don't really see what Michigan thinks would the advantage is by not. Well, USC, uh, I, this is my favorite. USC won a national title, and fans could have attended all of, I believe, all of their practices that year. Right. I mean, they were well, the best team in the country, and they just stayed the best. You know, people could have gone and seen. Yeah. Well, let's just see, like, you know, our Alabama guys get access every for every practice. Our Ohio State guys get access for every practice. You know, I'm I'm sure if we dug and actually looked, there are probably a decent amount of programs that close practice off. You know, I don't think it's universal that they all open up, open things up. But I just, I don't know. I mean, there's no. I don't. Don't feel like there's a correlation between closing things off and success necessarily, you know? So it's like, I don't know. I sound like a Twitter person. (laughs) One of those things that you just complain about when things aren't going well type deals, but it's just, I just don't really see the upside to it. But again, I mean, we've, we've kind of dealt with it for so long. You're sort of used to it, but yeah, Michigan's never been a open practices 
Right. And it's around, but it's around this time of the year, though, like I said, when I see our, our USC guys who, you know, are doing full 750 word write ups on a practice, you know, and, and with JT Daniels and Amon Ross St. Brown, like tearing it up, like we would probably not know a lot right now, let's say, if like, Maybe we hear like say like Mustafa Muhammad's had a couple good practices or something, just an example. But would we, you know, how much would we know, you know, to, to enough yeah. to want to report it and stand behind it, you know? And I don't know. So it's just like it's just that type of deal. So um, we always kind of have to. I feel like I don't know. You agree? We always kind of have to weather the storm at this point of the year because it's like people are just wanting information as they should, and it's like a lot of times it's just a Michigan's end. You just have to go off of the mostly generic sound bites that they give you uh, and the availabilities and stuff. You know, like Harbaugh meets tonight, right? I don't anticipate he's going to say anything that's going to blow anybody's mind. No, nothing. Uh, it, it will be interesting stuff, I think, because right. he was a lot better at Big Ten Media Days. Well, he was worse in some ways, better in other ways. But, yeah, nothing. it's not like he's going to be like, oh, you know who's winning the right, right. tackle starting job? this person right. you know, like, <laughs> or like, who's, who's like you know one of his deals is like who's standing out at um whatever position and he'll name every player at that position yeah. <laughs> like you know that type of stuff where yeah. it's like I, it's kind of it's funny because i don't i like i can appreciate the trolling i can admire it from that standpoint but as far as like yeah it being productive for anybody it's just i don't know so so we got a few minutes left. Is there a particular? So there. So we got some other questions. Is there a particular one you want to discuss? Um. By the way, we addressed a couple of them in there. We addressed the starting right tackle. Uh, for Sean O'Brien's question about kick returner, punt returner, I yeah, got I'd him be surprised if it's not if Thomas it and Peoples Jones. Yeah, I mean they invested so much in Donovan last year, and yeah. he's so electric uh, that I would be shocked if they gave that responsibility to somebody else. You know, well, they did unless, well. I mean, Donovan Peoples-Jones led the big... I mean, you know, he had the most punt returns, but he led the Big Ten in punt returns, and he got better right. as the season went on. Yeah, it's... That's I, one of those deals we've, we've said it a hundred times. I, I stand by it again. I think his improvement in the return game will be as noticeable as... Because, like, he did struggle at times in his decision-making. I mean, there's no doubt about it there, especially early on. But I think his improvement in that area is going to be as noticeable as it is at receiver. And maybe not as important, but not unimportant when you consider, again, the thing that we always go back to with special teams is how valuable Jabril Peppers was because how many times he would save them 15, 20 yards of Mm -hmm. field position by just simply fielding the ball, whether it was a fair catch or not, just his ability to identify and pursue the ball in the air and get to it before it hit the ground uh, was just invaluable you know and when you have a top five defense like Michigan should I mean those are that's a potentially a, a fresh possession that could potentially you know what I mean like that that 15 20 yards could be the difference between three points mm-hmm. uh, or whatever so yeah so yeah I'd be surprised if it wasn't him uh, Kwame Searcy asks about the defense they ran some three three five last year I, I think it was uh, they just decided they wanted no Furbush on the field more than Brian Monet uh, due to a lack of D-tackle depth, do you see that changing? If it does, what role do the Sams, Furbush, and Uche, who, who as you mentioned, uh, and, and everyone who's talked about Uche, this, he's another guy where, like, you've heard enough that you're almost like, okay, there's obviously something here. He's probably in that Chris Evans 
territory where it's where it's you know you just kind of got to believe that they wouldn't they wouldn't all say it so consistently if they didn't think he was going to play a factor so have you i mean we just talked about how michigan's not going to tell us anything have you heard anything about 335 i mean do they like like solomon duan for both playing in the middle do they like uh the backups i i, I mean brian monet and lawrence marshall obviously have been around a while uh well, monet got a mention by don brown a pretty notable one in immovable my immovable i mean that's he's up another it, 10 pounds he's gained like 30 pounds in the past couple of years you know, He's one of those guys, man. Like he's somebody that if they figure it out or if the light goes on this year, that defense could be even, I mean, just scary beyond belief. Cause like the thing with him is I just feel like he's been on the verge, you know, and just hasn't been able to be there as a consistent presence. Uh, if he's taken it, is he's figured it out? I mean, my opinion on the, the actual question, the defenses, I, I think that Michigan's just going to be mixing it up constantly. They should. I mean, they, they have yeah, people right. they like it every, in every role, I, I think. That's, I, yeah. I agree. And that's the thing is, like, so they're going to be able to kind of be sort of an amoeba and sort of just mold itself into whatever they want to be against whoever they're playing. You know, and that's, again, that's something else you can't really measure the value of. I mean, they could – go up against a Michigan State, let's say, or somebody, and uh, it, it negates, you know, that's why we talk about, like, like Ambry Thomas breaking out this year, right? So, like, let's say, you know, because Michigan State, I think, will probably throw the ball a little bit more this year. They started to as the year continued last year, you know, and Michigan State has always kind of been a more of a smash-mouth type team. Well, like, right now, I guess I look at Michigan's defense and say that they can easily, I mean, they're going to match up against anybody, but they can match up with a team like Michigan State, who this year I think is more capable of kind of – they are going to be able to change things up offensively. Mm-hmm. And Michigan can match up with that. And yeah. I don't know how many teams in the country can – and not just play, but like potentially just kind of dominate offenses no matter what the set is. There, I don't think there's a – Yeah, if you're certain... picking between Aubrey Solomon and Josh Uche or Michael Dumfor right. and – I don't know, Noah Furbush. I mean, yeah, you're right. You're probably in a in a position to play very multiple, do all sorts of things. And if and if Saquon Barkley, if that type of player is out there doing wildcat quarterbacks or shifting all over the field, yeah. it's like you can kind of follow it. Well, and right, and I mean Barkley. I think I just I don't know if we're going to see another Saquon Barkley or any in the Big Ten anytime soon. I mean, there's some great running. The Big Ten's got some great running backs in it, but mm-hmm. I think Barkley is just different. But um, you know, so I think that they're so equipped to just kind of. But that being said, you know Brown's thing. I mean, they're going to switch up no matter what. But I'm going back to just the mentality. Brown's thing is like we're just going to do what we want to do. They're not. That's always been his thing. They're not going to let the offense dictate how they run their defense, right? So, um, but they. I mean, they're going to be able to throw all kinds of things at them. I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see some, I could see them running like some rush man type sets where they got a bunch of guys standing up at the line. Um, you know, there's a few guys like I believe Brandon Watson's still around too, right? Yeah, he was they, have actually two, they have two cornerbacks who have starting big 10 or pac 12 experience in Hughes and Watson. Yep. Yeah. And Hughes. you, you kind of have Ambry Thomas ahead of both of them. So like, Theoretically, your number five cornerback could be someone who has started for Michigan or started for Utah. So yeah, you know, and so like there's just uh, a plethora 
of possibilities as far as what they're going to do. I don't, I, I don't, ant- I mean, I don't know. I could be wrong. I don't anticipate that there's just going to be some base set that they're going to operate out of all year. Like, I think it's going to, they're going to be able to just kind of attack each opponent, you know, and however they, you know, whatever style that opponent kind of likes to run offensively while still keeping Don Brown's idea of, you know, them dictating the game defensively in mind. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, we won't get, we don't have time to really dig into Shane Majewski's question about helping out the safeties, but that's kind of what you're talking about. It's like, if, if Michigan identifies a weakness, it probably has the depth and the versatility within that depth to work around weaknesses that it has, both with scheme, with you know what kind of sets you're running, and also with which players are on the field. So uh, sorry we didn't get to go too far into that one. Uh, a couple other questions we didn't get to, but one we'll close with from Matthew Kibalowski says, other than the press box, what is the best section to sit in the big house and... He specifically asked what row. I don't know if either of us have a, a what row, but but you you don't actually like the press box. I like it because, well, I think if I if I were going if I were like taking someone and showing them the Michigan experience, the press box is probably not the first one. I'd probably take them up to the radio floor and let sure. them see kind of take in the whole uh, stadium at first. But then I'd probably put them. Honestly, I mean maybe it's my. Maybe I'm young, but like I feel like the student section is, if you're trying to have a fun time, that might be the best. It's also the box suites that have open air. So maybe if you are someone that wants food and to, to be kind of, to not have to stand the whole time or something, maybe that's that's where you go. I don't know. What do you think, Steve? I mean, I, I, I'd, I'd rather sit in the stadium for sure. I just not The press box has never really been that appealing to me. It's free. That's the part I like. Well, that, yeah, right. And, that <laughs> and is, it has that food is, and Wi-Fi the, and climate control. That is the appeal, but eh, I don't know. I'd say this. I nah. I was gonna. I like the press box at Notre Dame, though. Actually, so I, I I enjoy watching the game there. Like the press box at Notre Dame sits way lower to the field. Most and I think most the, of them do. Right, and the view at Notre Dame for the game was like really really cool. Uh, Michigan's is like so high up and it's kind of at an angle. Um, well, and it's so quiet that it almost becomes like a sterile atmosphere. The press box. That's the other thing too. And I'm not, and yeah. I'm not, I mean, we're obviously, you know, you and I are far from cheering the press box kind of guys. That's not the, our approach at all, nor should it be. Um, but it, there is something to be said when you can, yeah, when you can hear more of the crowd during the game though, you know? And so, um, you know, that's, Oh, that's the way I think. I just I've never been that big on the press box. Uh, I'd rather sit in the crowd. Like if I had my way, I would sit in the crowd, and then just go up in the press box after the game and write stories and stuff. That's the way I would go about it. So, but yeah, I imagine I imagine Matthew is kind of asking for like where he would go. Probably. I, have you been front row? I I I think I was back in my back. back in my student student days, but. Which we I got like yeah. sixth row. My my senior year, we got like the sixth row. See, I was I had one year during solid. that general admission, so Ugh. it was like, yeah, that was a that's, that was quite the debacle. Uh, like that's awful. But but anyway, so I've heard a lot of people say they like kind of like the between fifteen and twenty five because you can see the field, but you're still close enough that it's you know a good atmosphere. 
I've I've heard a lot of people who are recent grads who wish they could still be in the student section. So maybe being closer to that to that younger, more passionate crowd is is valuable to you. Uh, kind of depends on what you're looking for ultimately, though. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't, uh, you know, that's the student section. I can I can see that like being a place where you're going to probably have the most fun, um, you know, but that's the thing too at Michigan. I mean, I think as long as you're just in the stadium, I think there's not really a, I don't really think there's a bad seat necessarily. Ooh, I don't ooh, mind that's sitting. corny. <laughs> no, but I don't mind sitting way, but that's yeah. me though. I don't mind sitting way up for a Michigan at a Michigan football. There are other venues that I'm not big on. Like we went to a bachelor party over the summer and we got Red Wings tickets at the new little Caesars arena. And I was like excited. And then we got our seats and we were literally like, you could like, you could almost touch the retired jerseys <laughs> from where we were. And it was just a horrible experience. Yeah. You uh, climbed those game. really steep stairs. Oh man. It was, you've been in the new stadium. Uh, I, I did. I covered the Michigan game. Oh, I was right. yeah, That yeah. was courtside basketball's if I could be courtside every time, I would. That's that's a little different, I think, than football because it's like right. a more I, intimate I, sport. But yeah, right. I agree. Basketball, you want to be as close to the action as possible. I, I would. But yeah, I saw those. There. I saw those LCA stands. I was like, holy cow! Someone's gonna fall, and yeah, it's I mean, be that, a big deal. That's what it, I mean. Standing there for where we were, I mean, you were almost on top of the players, you know, and you couldn't. It, I mean, it was so far away that you could barely tell. Like who was who? Not, I mean, you knew what. I don't. I don't remember how who they played. That's how boring the game was. <laughs> but um, you could tell the teams apart. But like player-wise, you could barely see like who it was. That was just, I don't know. So Michigan Stadium, though, I think on a good on a nice weather day, I think it's uh, always all the angles are pretty solid. Yeah. It'd be more about who. You, it'd be more about the experience. Would be more about who you're surrounding yourself with i guess as far as like what you're looking for like the closer you are i think is a little bit is a little bit better but another another corny one from from steve no bad seat in the big house according to him and it's really just about who who, who your friends are well i mean <laughs> whatever man anyway that's gonna do it for the podcast uh we we hit our time limit so uh, we got to most of the questions, at least in some capacity, but feel free to ask again next week. Uh, this has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Check out all of our stories at themichiganinsider.com and michigan.247sports.com. Uh, for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. See you next week.